0: So last week we were talking about the sower. We were talking about the highway. Talking about the paths that people go on. Talking about the fact that God has called you to take a different path. How different that can feel sometimes. At the end of the service we were talking about the way that shame is used by the devil to keep you down. It seems like when you make great strides, the devil's just going to get in your face. He's going to tell you, remember who I think you are. And so today I wanted to continue with the sower. I wanted to read the same passage that we started off with last time. It comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9. And Then he, Jesus, spoke many things to them in parables, and he said, Behold, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns. The thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground, And they yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Talk about the stony places this week. In the message, I like how it says it. Some fell in the gravel, it sprouted quickly, but didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. No one here wants their relationship with Jesus to be described by the word shallow. Those are almost spiritual fighting words. But if I could get real for a few minutes, we all have rocks in the dirt. Asking the question again, how's your dirt? We all have some rocks in our dirt. And sometimes we can go through days, weeks, years of acting like we're perfect. No rocks here, but maybe today we could talk about it for a minute. Just a little aside, when it comes to the type of church that we are, it's a charismatic church, Pentecostal church. Word charisma, excitement. You know, what Jesus has done for us, no one wants it to be this boring thing. And here's a problem at times that we believe that if it's not exciting, that God's not in it. We believe that it always has to be exciting or God's not in it. And the truth of the matter is, there are going to be times in your walk when it doesn't feel like fun times. But God's in it. Statistically, we need to begin to put down roots because we spend more time out there than we do in here. And so we can have church all day long in here, But what do we take out there? It's a great thing to be excited about what God's doing. It's a great thing to be here and to be excited when God moves. But spiritually, sometimes, you can be like a kid with a month-old box of those message hearts. That spiritually, right? And you're walking around, and you're like, oh, be mine. (laughs) Good spiritual day. Oh, you're the best. Oh, that's... But then you get one, it's like, no way. Or you get one, that's like, not a chance. And spiritually, no, you see this sometimes and you think, what? what's going on? We need to find an even keel kind of thing. My favorite kinds of believers, this is me personally, are the kind of people that I know how they're going to be. They're just on, they're growing, but I know where they're going to be. When I go up to them, it's not going to be like, roll the dice, let's see how they are today. Those are people that are rooted, and those are people that I tend to seek out. We need to walk in confidence of the things that God's doing. We need to walk confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We need to be in a way when we talk about plants, it can look like this. Give me this next slide. Check out these plants because, you know, when I talk about something, I'm an expert in it for a week. And so this week I'm a botanist. And so up here I see two things. What I love about the wording on this, though, is the plant on the right, it says a native perennial. If you truly believe that God has given you the land, then put down roots like you believe it. If you truly believe that he's got this, then put down roots like you know that you know. Because the Lord that threw the seed can make the seed prosper. As you go deeper in the dirt, you're going to hit rocks. It's just science. You're going to hit rocks. What appears on the surface may look like the blue ribbon pumpkin at 4H, but do you have roots? Growing up in church, there were times that I would find myself acting a part, not because anyone made me, but because sometimes I would feel like I could fly under the radar. And I wasn't doing it to be facetious. I was doing it because I thought that's what you did at times. We can do the same things as adults. Sometimes you see a walk right out of the gate that is just, the best way to explain it, it's like one of those model rockets. I had, me and my neighbor would launch these things and we would have a countdown and we, would, we were like NASA for a minute. And this thing would go up in the air and it would go up like 200 feet and all of a sudden it would just go like poof. And then it would just drift down. And there was no excitement in the drift down. And it seems sometimes if your walk is not plugged in, It's the countdown. It's all this excitement. And then you hit something, and all of a sudden, poof, and everybody just gets quiet because no one knows what to say. Begin to put down roots. As you're digging, as you're growing, clunk, you hit a rock. If you're a new believer in here and you've just come to know Jesus Christ, I don't want you to think that it's a bad thing to be excited about Jesus. It's a great thing. What I'm saying is go deeper, go deeper, go in the places God's telling you to go, even when it doesn't seem comfortable, because the roots will only go as deep as the rocks will allow. If the wrong things remain, then the good things can't take root. There are only two ways to deal with rocks, getting rid of them. One, you dig them out. Two, you blast them. Now, When Kevin blasts at the quarry, everyone in Leroy knows that he's blasting. It's just a fact. If you have ever, I just had some landscaping done at my house and all my neighbors drove by slowly because it looked so bad when the work was going on. When you're digging out rocks, it's not pretty. When you commit to the cause, it's not pretty. But if you notice something, go back to that first slide. I think I saw something. Yeah, there's two people there, or one guy in legs. But when you dig rocks out, you need other people. When they go to blast at the quarry, it's not just like one guy shows up and he's like, yeah, I'm going to blast today. There's a whole crew of people involved. And so when it comes to spiritual growth, you need to understand you were never meant to do this alone. And more importantly, how about this one? The people you hang around with matter. If you don't think they matter, look at this slide here. I want friends like this that are going to rip the roof off a house for me, that are going to carry me where I need to go when I can't go there. I don't want people that are just going to say, we'll pray for you, but I want people that are pretty much going to vandalize a place to get me in there if Jesus is in there. That's what I'm about. If you're listening to this on a podcast, we're not saying to vandalize things. Okay. <laughs> we go on. We have people call into church like, Great. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched. You know, with this photo, Rachel, I apologize for this photograph, but when I picked it, I picked it purposely. She's a photographer. I picked it because there are going to be times that you go through your walk that it's going to feel blurry. There are going to be times that you have no choice but to dig deep. There's going to be times that you have no choice but to get grounded in the things that you know are true. Those aren't going to be fun times, but do what God is calling you to do. You may be the type of plant that you look the part, you act the part, but there could be a problem involved with it. Is the growth that you're experiencing only going one way? Are things that you're doing meant to let other people know that you're doing good? It's like an ouch thing, but it's true. If my growth is really to keep people off my spiritual trail, that's not really growth. Theology in practice always beats theology in theory. I don't like when people sit around and turn God's word into all these isms that no one understands. I like when people love other people. In the name of Jesus I like when people get uncomfortable for Christ's sake you've got to do God's work in the daylight John 9 4 I must do the works of him who sent me while it's day for the night is coming when no one can work be transparent for a moment I've had some of the greatest faith declarations come out of my mouth at 3 in the morning Staring at the ceiling and I pretty much have laid out the plan for whatever great awakening third or fourth Yet to happen. I'm like God that I'm on this. This is the path. I'm taking this is what I'm going to do and you know what happens Then the Sun comes up Yep And I reset to some kind of factory default spiritually and then I run into problems And when I run into the problems, do you know the things that did not help me during those problems? The footprints, wood hanging at my house did not help me. The too-blessed-to-be-stressed shabby-chic sign over my Keurig did not help me in that moment. (laughs) Purposely driving my life at 11 o'clock that night for a devotion to say I got it in that day didn't help me at that moment. You know what helped me? It was knowing the word of God and going toe to toe with the devil and speaking it in his face through tears, through shaking knees, through whatever it was. That's what helped in that moment. I say that because we seem to insulate ourselves with a look of Christianity, but our roots involved at times. In Psalm 16, he shows me the path of life. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Living the plan is more difficult than speaking the plan. Digging out rocks, it's tougher than talking about digging up rocks, The God that I serve is not going to lay plans before me that require nothing of me. Oh, and it bothers me because I wish it could be different, but it's not. There are times that I need David faith. When David went and a man laid before David everything he needed, To make a sacrifice before God, and David looks the guy in the eye and David says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God offerings that cost me nothing. And when we stand at that point and when we know God's requiring a lot of us, when it's on our worst day, when it's in times that we don't understand, Are you going to sacrifice just as you would on your best day? With a smile, with praise, God, have you got this? You've got this. You've got this. Growth is work and farming is hard. Healthy things will continue to put down roots even when they're old. A tree that's 100 years old, if you look at its roots, it's still reaching out. Just like it did when it was young and there's an excitement of this walk, never lose it. Never lose it. Those things that you knew when God could do anything, believe like that every day. God has a plan for the rocks, but the devil has a plan for the rocks. The devil can't steal the word from you. He can't. He can't take it from you, but what he can do is he can pollute the dirt, and he will do his best to pollute that dirt He wants to see the things that have been growing hit the place where not only do they wither, but he wants you spiritually to get to a place that the things you once found joy in are going to be things that now you take offense at. He wants you to go from a place where, God, when I was with you, this intimacy that I had with you, I wanted to do, I wanted to be, I wanted to grow. And then it turns into, God, this is a bunch of man-made rules. I don't even know if I believe in this anymore. That's where he wants it. If he can keep you offended, then you'll begin to offend others. Then your dead plant will make other dead plants. It's like the devil just wants to hijack the garden. We get a sliver of time, just a sliver. I saw a video from this church years ago, decades. And in the video, when I looked at it, there were so many faces. As I've said before, you know my respect for the church that we stand on the shoulders of giants in everything we do. And there are some people who have gone on to heaven. There are some people who God has planted in other churches that are carrying on the ministry there. There There's some people who are still in this house. And there's some that God's just taken their plant and withered it. And it broke my heart is what it did. Because I think none of us are immune to the devil coming after us. None of us are immune. None of us. And he wants to make a fool out of you. He wants you, a Christian, to be made a fool out of. That's his goal. That's his 24-7 job when he comes at you. But in those moments, how's your dirt? In those moments, what are you doing to dig things up? The God that I serve, oh, he specializes in building great things on rocks. When he does, the gates of hell won't be able to stand against it. Like he turns to Peter and he says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. You think about that. Some of the greatest gains that came in the kingdom of God came from Jesus denying, ear-chopping, yelling at people in the crowd on the night of the crucifixion. Peter, the fisherman. If he can use Peter, he can use me. He can use you. And I think about some of the greatest things that he used in Peter, that tenacity. That night in the garden, I often wonder, like when he pulls out his sword, could you just imagine that, just standing around? Everything's going down that night. You're like, whoa. That was Peter, though. And that stuck later on. You know there were times when everybody else wanted to give up, and Peter was like, nope, not right now, not giving up. When it comes to the hardships that have been in your life, God's going to use them. When it comes to the heartaches that are in your life, I am is going to use them. When it comes to the things that never fit in this world, I am is going to use them. John 16 says this, in this world, you're going to have trouble or tribulation, but take heart or be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. In order for there to be growth, things need to come to the surface. If they don't come to the surface, they can't be used for God's glory. Rocks that are buried can't bring forth growth. When it comes to your dirt, only you and God know about that. I can't come and sit with you and map out and begin to excavate all the boulders that you have going on beneath the surface. Only you with the wisdom and mapping of the Holy Spirit can do that. In 1 Corinthians 2, it says, God has revealed it to us by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Who among men knows the thoughts of man except his own spirit within him? So, too, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The change The dirt, it won't be rock free overnight. Your field, it may not progress the same as someone else may be progressing. You can't compare it. It may be a lifelong dig. I remember when I went to see my friend in Boston. They were beginning something called the Big Dig. And I went to see him a decade later and they were still digging. It was big, I guess. There are some things in your life that will be like that. That you may think, God, how long till we finish this up? How long till we take the construction signs down? He's gonna say, I've got this. A few more rocks, I've got this. But when he does, I can't help but think he would be like, But look over there at that pile that we've already gotten out. Just look over there at all that. It's not weighing you down anymore. The things that once stood in the way are going to be the things that God's going to take. And I feel like when he takes out a rock in his faithfulness, you know what he's going to do? He's going to lay it on the ground, and I feel like he's going to do one of these on it. He's going to take that thing that was once huge, and he's going to bust it into gravel. And when he busts it into gravel, he's going to begin to sprinkle it on the paths that he is showing you. So the things that you wondered, which way do I go, God? He's going to be like, follow the trail. Follow the gravel. And some of the hardest things in your life, he's going to say, he's going to come to you at times, and he's going to be like, do you mind if we use some of that gravel from your rocks there? Because this person over here needs help. And when he does, it's going to humble you. When he does, you're going to know there was a purpose. And when you see that baby Christian walking on that trail toward the greatest things they've ever known, you're going to know that you know that your God is in control. Zora Neale Hurston said this, love makes your soul crawl out from its hiding place. Back to the shame for a minute. The enemy's led someone here to believe that you need to hide under that rock. Enemies led someone to believe that you are worthless and you deserve not to be in the presence of God or God's people, and it's a lie. That there is no future for you, and it's a lie. That this is all you'll ever know, and it's a lie. And God's saying, I will move that rock. I will give you my best. I will lead you in places that you never thought that you would see. And when I do, you will know it's my grace. See, the greatest discoveries of who you are in Jesus, they lie beneath rocks. They're going to be unearthed as you continue this journey. And every seed, when we talk about the sower, every seed has the potential to grow unrestricted. Meaning this, one seed has the potential to fill an entire field over time. And the field beside it, and the field beside it. The same with the gospel. Do not limit the growth in the things that we do because God is looking to do huge things. I'm going to close, and we're going to do some communion in a minute because I had to split this up. had to share something here at the end because it's been on my heart. I challenge you this morning to have some Abraham faith. What's that? Abraham says that faith in God, that he won't abandon it, that he will never abandon the seed. Abraham faith counts blessings like sand when the sun's out. And when it's nighttime, it counts as stars. When it comes to Abraham faith, the reason I say that is this. We're going into Easter coming up, and this year it's personal. That's the thing that keeps coming into my heart when we're praying it. This year it's personal. This year, meaning that the testimonies that God is going to bring forth are going to be personal ones. Because we need to remember, when he hung on that cross, he hung for each and every one of us. But going into today, there's a song that I heard that someone had shared He's a fella. He's a startup out of the Carolinas. His name's Furtick. He seems to be doing all right. Got together with this little-known songwriter, Carrie Job, I think her name is, and they write this song. Blew me away. They didn't actually write it. They just took God's word and pieced it together and sang it. And I wanted to read a couple of those lyrics, I guess before we go into communion. Because today when we take communion, I want you to understand this is not about us. And what we are planting, other people will be reaping. I'm tired of seeing families being torn apart. I'm tired of the devil seeing us sad from the things that happen in life and the disappointment that comes along and people who may look at situations going on with their children and it breaks their heart but see God having a plan here's the lyrics to this it's called the blessing one of my favorite verses it starts with the Lord bless you and keep you make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace amen Goes on to say, May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations on your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming, in your going, in your weeping and rejoicing, he is for you. He is for you. We need to claim that over our families. We need to claim that over this house. We need to begin to speak it with a confidence that the devil knows that we're coming. We're coming for you. We're coming to snatch some out of hell. We're coming. So again, may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you in the morning, in the evening, in the coming, in the going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you. He is for you. If you'll stand, I want to come together as family and then I want to take communion. It's one of my favorite times in church because i feel like the declaration that we make during that time that reminder it's a beautiful thing so the ushers are going to come in i love these guys they're incredibly organized and despite their organization many times i am able to mess it up it's true So what they're going to do is they're going to come stand at the end of the aisles, come forward. And when you come forward, they will have the communion wafer and the cup. As you take that from them, press as far forward as you can. We say this every time, space is their premium, and that's a good problem to have. I wanted to read a scripture. The scripture comes out of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 11, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats of the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Before we come forward, bow your head for a second and say, God, if it's in here in this heart and it doesn't look like you, take it. If whatever thing I have going on that I have branded struggle when it's just outright doing wrong, take it. God, this heart that is broken at times inside my chest, I pray, Lord, that you would take every disappointment. Let there be no thing inside of me that does not look like you, Lord. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made. We thank you, Father, for the fact that you thought enough of each one of us to come here and to die on a cross like a common criminal, to take my place. What we do, God, we do with eternity in mind. And I speak a blessing right now on every family in here. God, I pray that the plans would be God's plans. I pray that the joy would overflow. This is your house, God, in Jesus' name, amen.